always want to dance during that song. <laughs> I probably should.
You guys pray with me? Jesus. <laughs> that song, it says so clearly um, what I often forget. <laughs> I'm your child. I'm a part of your family. You have done so much to include me in your family, and yet I forget. I forget about it. I get distracted. I have other things on my mind and other focuses. And Lord, this morning I pray, I ask you, God, to recenter us and refocus us on who you are and what you've done. I, I pray that you'd empty us of us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and fill this place. We feel your presence. And I, I ask for your help, God. Help us to remember through your word and through fellowship together and through this time, singing your praises and singing about the truth of who you are and what you've done. I pray that we'd be refocused and remembering who we are and who our identity is in Christ. And not to forget that, God. Thank you so much for who you are, Lord. We love you. We love singing to you. We love hearing more about you and learning more about you. I pray that you would be glorified this morning, that you would be blessed this morning with our time focused on who you are and what you've done. We pray that in Jesus' name.
kids, uh, for those of you in here who have class today, you can go ahead and be released to your class. Well, good morning, Linworth. How are we doing? All right. You ready for some snow today? <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I always say, you know, if you're going to snow, just snow. Don't tease me. Don't throw me like, you know, quarter of an inch. Give me a good solid two inches. If you're going to do it, go for it. Right? Yeah. Well, welcome to, uh, to you here, uh, especially if this is your first Sunday visiting with us. And uh, welcome to those of you that are uh, watching online. Glad that you could uh, join us. I uh, would like to have you pick up a connect card which is right in front of you if you could pull that up or if you have the bible app and you're listening at home or watching at home it's on the bible app and this is the way that you can connect with us uh, especially if this is your first time we'd love for you to go ahead and fill that out and mark first time visitor um, we want to send you a thank you card because we're glad that you're here with us this morning we also have a little gift bag for you um, that you can pick up at our welcome center on the way out and it has a nice little coffee mug and some information about the church and we'd love for you to go ahead and grab that. Um, okay, we're gonna walk through a, a few announcements here this morning as we do each week. The first thing is uh, we're having a celebration service uh, that is coming up on the fifth Sunday. Uh, whenever there's a fifth Sunday in a month, we have a celebration service. And so what we do is we come together and we have baptism, baby dedications, and testimonies. And uh, I really enjoyed it, it's a fun time to kind of switch things up a little bit, but just kind of see what God has been doing here um, at Linworth. So a couple things that we need for that. Uh, first off, if you have not been baptized and you are a Christ follower and you'd like to be baptized, we need you to contact uh, the office or go ahead and mark on your Connect card baptism and we'll get back with you. Next up, if you have uh, a baby that you'd like to dedicate, um, we've been doing pretty good on producing the babies here. And so we like to dedicate them to the Lord. So um, if you'd like to have your baby dedicated, there's, uh, each time we do this, there's a certain amount of slots that we have. So make sure you go ahead and contact uh, the office if you'd like to do that. And then um, also you can mark on your Connect card. That will help us out. Real quick, kind of save the date uh, for you. Leadership Huddle is coming uh, for those of you on our leadership team. That's going to be Monday, February 7th from 7 to 9. So I want to make sure you go ahead and mark your calendars uh, for that so you're ready to come. Up. And then uh, next up, we're going to finish off with um, just another announcement about the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course that's coming up on 2-22-22. So you're not going to forget that date, right? It's a Tuesday. <laughs> yes, okay, one of you got it. Very good, okay. Um, but uh, first off, thanks uh, to those of you who have signed up already. It's been a great response. Um, let you know uh, we will have childcare, so that uh, came through for us. But to kind of kick this announcement off a little bit, we're going to show you a video, and we want you to hear from some people who have taken the course and how it's impacted them. Discipleship in the past typically was when you come to church, you leave your emotions at the door and you deal with the very spiritual part of you, and then you can pick up all that emotional stuff when you go out. You don't actually deal with who, who you are on the inside. I couldn't deal with uh, 
conflict at all. I had an anger problem and I had an alcohol problem and I needed to face a lot of things. I knew that everything in my life needed to change. I just didn't think that it was important for me to kind of deal with those emotions. My Christian life is supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be, you know, free from all like problems and conflicts. What I thought I knew and I thought the way things should be was not the case. I didn't do hurt, I didn't do sadness, I didn't do anger. The depression came like right after I dropped out of college and like I didn't have anything to do. And I hit a wall and I didn't know what it was. I felt like I was stuck. My 35-year-old aunt uh, died at 9-11. Our family, you know, for the most part, we're all Christians, but we never grieved her, her loss. I just felt, I just didn't know how. Through EHS, I realized that there was a lot of brokenness in me that needs to be repaired. And I released all those stuff that I thought that was buried and, and forgotten. The course was an invitation for me to kind of receive that healing in order for me to move forward. Uh, looking back at my family and understanding the things I had picked up from them, I was able to start doing work to make changes in my, in my current relationship, in my relationships with my friends. I realize now that walls were not meant to make me bitter, but they were meant to make me better. And that that was God's way of dealing with some things in my life. And years ago, I couldn't even have done an interview like this because I was such a nervous wreck inside. Since I've learned that it's healthy to express yourself and to express those feelings, my relationship with Jesus got deeper and it became more open. I feel like now I can finally just openly tell him the things that's going on in my life and what I'm really feeling. EHS gave me the permission and God opened my eyes to He's like, look, that stuff inside of you is important. It gave permission to my head to understand it, but it really made my heart connect to it. I was connected to it. It just made so much sense to me. I really believe that the EHS course opens you up to the different ways that that you can or and are able to see God working in your life. Eight weeks seems like a long time, but it goes by like that. It becomes instinct and it's, it's so relieving to, and new like as a Christian. Give it a shot to take that step uh, of faith and knowing that at times it's gonna be painful, but at the end, the result is awesome. There's a lot of baggage that, that, that needs to be released. And until we dealt with it, then it's, we're stuck. My plead is to everyone take this course. Yeah, our uh, goal this morning was trying to give you a little bit different, or give you a flavor of what this course was gonna uh, be about. I'm gonna invite up my wife, Erin, here, and she's gonna help us out here, and you give her a big hand, okay? And, um, yeah, so she's, she's walked through the course uh, a couple of times also. But we really do think that um, as this being a, a part of our discipleship process here at Linworth, it, it has the ability to really help you in your discipleship journey. And as we may have mentioned before, you may not have heard us, and actually this might be your first Sunday, so this is all new to you, but a premise of the course is that emotional health and spiritual uh, maturity are inseparable, and it's very difficult to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Um, but anyways, we kind of figured you might be a little foggy on what the whole course is kind of about, so that's what this announcement is about. And um, so I wanted to kind of let Erin talk a little bit, and I wanted to ask her, how would you describe the course? Um, I would say that EHS is a discipleship plan that goes below the surface. It goes um, deep, uh, 
spiritually in how we relate to God, and it takes you deep emotionally in how you relate to yourself and how you relate to others. We're going to talk about things like uh, knowing yourself to know God, um, going back in order to go forward, and I know that sounds probably intimidating and scary for some people, but it's, it's really helpful and it's good. Um, and it helps us really relate to people. We'll look at loss and grief and going through the walls in our lives. Um, and But mostly, my favorite part of it is that it is a process of really slowing down, being with Jesus, and listening. That's the best part. Good. Good. Okay, so if you notice, it's eight weeks long. Um, there's three books that are involved with it. Uh, there is the book itself, and there is then a workbook that looks like that there, and then this uh, book called Day by Day, which is a devotional. And um, so those are the three books that are involved with it. You'll be reading one chapter in this book during the week. You come together as a group, and we'll go through the workbook. And then uh, something that's, do oh, you want to say something and about the, that? These chapters are pretty beefy, so you've got to give yourself some time. Yeah. And, uh, and then there will be, uh, you'll be learning how to get with the Lord very, for a very short period of time each day, at least once, maybe even twice, and have a little devotional with him. So we did want you to know that it's not a, every single day you're going to be filling out a Bible study type of thing, but there's a chapter that she said that is very meaty that you need to spend some time absorbing, and then we come together and talk about it. Most of the work is gonna be done with between you and the Lord. The work is not gonna be so much done in the group setting. That What that's gonna do for you, it's gonna help you hear other people and the things that, that might remind you, oh yeah, I need to look into that, I need to check that in my life here. Or I'm not the only one dealing with that. Yeah, I'm not the only one that's there. Um, it's not a couple's uh, thing, this is individually on your own, but it, sometimes it helps to come as a couple because sometimes you can ask your, your spouse a question that you're not sure about yourself and they really know you. Um, so that's, that's kind of it, it's the beginning of a journey and then just want to kind of finish off here, um, Aaron, um, how did the course help you? Um, for me, it was really helpful in just leading me to greater freedom, freedom from a number of things, freedom from wrong motivations that I didn't really realize I had, um, wrong messages and patterns in my life that were just kind of like entrenched in me, um, you know, insecurities, fears, self-protection, comparison, all that stuff that doesn't help our relationships. Um, with God or with people. And then it freed me up to um, begin to love people better, begin to be who God has made me to be. And best is just to rest in my Father and cease striving. So it's really a slowing down process. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So it's been good, good for us. We're like, uh, actually, we're not really happy that we're kind of diving more deeply into this part of our life at the age that we are. So if you're younger, uh, we really invite you to, to, uh, to come to this. And I think it'll, it'll be really good. So. And please don't think that we have it all together because it's our third time going through it and we're just now getting it. <laughs> I think when I'm up here talking, they kind of realize that. <laughs> but so, okay, let's, uh, we'll get off the stage here. So you can sign up um, online on the website. 
Uh, there's a couple of banners out there. There's a QR code. You can uh, go ahead and scan that with your phone or also on the Bible app. You should find some information there. So, But uh, we have a couple of uh, Sundays coming up that uh, will be just a little bit different before we get into a regular series. So um, we have our celebration service on January 30th. That's going to be uh, followed by a message from our uh, ministry uh, partner from the Rock Church, uh, pa- Pastor Dave Brunel, who you've uh, he's talked to here a couple of different times, and he's going to be talking about growing through loss, and um, it's a very timely message, we feel, uh, for us here at Linworth. And then from there, we're going to start uh, in the Old Testament. We're going to dive into First Kings, and we'll get back and, and on a regular process there of going through a series. So, okay, well, I'm excited to invite up Tom Short. Why don't you give him a hand? Many of you know Tom here. He's been a member of the church for many years. He was an elder here uh, at one time also, and he has a ministry that engages with students on college campuses. He talks all over the United States and um, and around the world, too. So um, we just are excited to have him here, and uh, I think you're going to talk maybe about grace? Right. Maybe talk about grace? Maybe? Let's do it. Yeah? Let's do it. I'm so glad to be here with you today. And Nick? I appreciate your song selection about no longer a slave to fear. We just had our Faith Walkers Conference, and our theme was courageous. You can find the, um, if you go to YouTube and look up Faith Walkers Conference, you can find the messages there. But I think there's a lot of fear in our world in our day, is there not? And we are called to be courageous people. We're called to not be governed by fear. See, this is the difference. Courageous people don't deny that things can be dangerous. You know, in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talked about him being a servant of Christ. And it's interesting, he talked about part of the evidence that he was a servant of Christ was the danger he faced. He gave nine things that were dangerous. He said, dangers in the rivers, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the city, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers... Dangers, dangers. He faced danger, but he wasn't governed by it. He was governed by understanding his mission from God, and that's what we are called to be, courageous people. So thank you. I'm no longer a slave to fear. But that's not our message today. I'd like to talk today about abundant grace in a time of need. Abundant grace in a time of need. And in our time of need, and if you have a need, and let's be practical today. If there is a need in your life of any kind, if there's a financial need, if there's a health need, if there's a relationship need, if there's a need with one of your children, if there's a need in someone close to you, if there's just a need in your life, you believe God is calling you to do something and you don't feel adequate and that you're capable. If there's a need to move forward in an area and you're stuck, whatever it is, I want you to think about that because I've got good news for you today and let's make this practical, amen? Amen. All right, let's stand together and I'd like to read our passage for today. It's one verse, but I want you to pay attention to it. I want us to read it out loud together And be careful, because afterwards, I'm going to quiz you on what it says. So I want you to pay attention to it. You ready? Here we go. Together. God is able to make all grace abound to you, 
so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Isn't that good news? All right, now I wanna see if you were listening as you read. And I'm gonna ask you some questions. Answer me as best as possible in a complete sentence. Let's practice the first one. Who is able? God is able. In a complete sentence, there you go, right? Who is able? I wrote down my questions here. How much grace? All grace. All right. Abound to who? Yeah, you can say abound to you, abound to me, you know, personalize it. Abound to me, all right? Abound to me. How often? Always. Always. How much sufficiency? Uh, uh, how many things? How, uh, how much of a, well, I already asked that, but how much? An abundance. And how many good deeds? All right, we got it. You want to try it again? Let's try it again. We got a good practice. This is a pretty powerful verse, isn't it? There's a lot of superlatives in here. There's a lot of not, you know, he can do some or 50% or maybe if you're really in big trouble or sometimes, but there's a lot of all and everything's in here, isn't there? Let's do it one more time. Who is able? Amen. How much grace? Abound to who? How often? How much sufficiency? How many things? How much? And how many good deeds? Amen. You may be seated. Isn't that good news? We could leave right now. And we could call it a day. And if you just memorize that verse and let it get deep within you, not just something you forget about on the way home or by the time we sing our first song after the message today, but you allow that verse to get deep within you and you believed that verse, we could go home. And this would not only be enough for a good day, it may be enough for a pretty good year, would it not? As a matter of fact, I think this verse could take you for a lifetime. But it raises some questions. And so we want to let it get deeper. The first is, what is grace? What is grace? You know, we talk about, we know Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By grace, we have been saved through faith. But what is grace? I just like this definition. The goodness, grace is the goodness and favor of God flowing from him to me. That's all it is. The grace, when we talk about grace, we sometimes use the term unmerited favor. Well, that's a fine definition. That is a good definition. That's an accurate definition. Personally, I like to make it just a little bit more poetic, perhaps. I don't know. For me, yes. The goodness of God, the goodness and the favor of God flowing from him to me. Do you feel that in your life? Do you feel the goodness of God flowing in your direction? Do you live your days with an awareness that God, God's goodness surrounds you, it fills you, it's, it's flowing in your direction, it's coming to you. That's the type of God we serve, that's who our God is. Our God is a God of grace. It says of Jesus, grace, and the law came through Moses, 
but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. It says of Jesus, he was full of grace. Interesting, in the, this, this is not a common word in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, you may not even find it in the Old Testament, depending on the translation you use. In the Old Testament, the common word used was the word favor. And many, many, many times it says someone, God showed them favor, or they experienced the favor of God. Or maybe the word blessing, that they experienced the blessing of God, uh, or the, the blessing of God was upon them. In the New Testament, the same concept, but the more common word is the word grace that the grace of God was upon them. They were filled with grace. They were recipients of grace. Grace is simply the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God flowing from him to you. And that's our God. He's not stingy with his grace. He's not withholding his grace. He wants human beings to be experiencing his grace and he's got a lot of it, by the way. You know, our God, when we talk about our God as a big, big, big God, and there's a, like an abundance of his grace, like it says in our verse today, there's plenty of it. This word, uh, God is able to make all grace abound to you. And one translation says, is able to make his grace overflow to you like a river. You know, you go down and you look at the Olentangy, and sometimes the river is just kind of meandering down. But we were down there recently, and we had this nice weather a couple weeks ago, and Roz and I went for a walk up there in High Banks. We walked down by the Olentangy, and oh, was it flooding and flowing. It was on the move. We'll see it again come March or spring. The river will just, man, it'll be just powerful. That's the grace of God. It's not like a little creek like a little stream that dries up. It's a flowing, the, the river of God is full of water, it says in, in uh, Psalms, and we believe that. So the question, so, so grace, great, from the beginning, we understand Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that salvation, by grace are you saved through faith. By grace have you been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that anyone should boast. This helps us understand grace. The, 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 the Greek word, charis, charis, it's like, it's the same word as like a gift. It's something given, undeserved, unmerited, unearned. It's something that comes from the giver and that the giver wants us to have and experience. We understand that grace, that our salvation is based on grace. And I hope you understand that today, that God's God's salvation is not something you earn, work for, or could ever deserve, but rather it is given to us freely because of God's grace, because of God's kindness, because of God's mercy. None of us can earn it because we could never, it, it's too big of a thing to earn. None of us could ever be worthy of it because we've sinned against God. We are undeserving of salvation, but he freely gives it. And indeed, God is good, and he's ready to forgive, waiting to forgive. But grace isn't only to get saved. And sometimes we can think of, yes, I get saved by grace, but then I grow by my discipline, or I grow by my faithfulness, or I grow by my own efforts, 
or I grow by my godly character, or I become who I'm supposed to be, and therefore I, I, I worked hard at it, and I became this. Now, now I'm going to get all this good stuff from God. Now I'm going to be fruitful. Now my life is going to be all it was meant to be because he gave me a fresh start when I got saved, and now I've, I've really worked hard. Well, we should be faithful, and we should be diligent and disciplined. But just like we start by grace, we grow by grace. And then we never get to the place where we say, you know, I earned this. I was good enough. I deserve it. Come on, God, come through for me. I deserve it. I paid my dues. I did my part. No, we're faithful out of love for God, out of gratitude towards God, out of appreciation of God. But we start by grace, we grow by grace, and someday, folks, we'll all be close to drawing our last breath. And when we are on our deathbed, and when we are approaching that time that even for believers can be kind of a scary thing, he will guide us by his grace. We didn't deserve it. But that's, but he will be with us from beginning to end. It's the goodness, the favor, the blessing of God flowing our way. So the obvious question becomes, right? If this grace is so wonderful, there is a question that's got to be asked. What do you think it is? The question I'd ask, well, how do I get grace? How do I get grace? If grace is so important, how do I get it? And the answer is right there humility. There's something about our God that finds humility irresistible. Isn't that awesome? Our God does not require us to be smart to get grace, or to be wealthy to get grace, or to have never made a mistake to get grace, or to have had a great upbringing to get grace, grace, or wonderful parents to get grace, or to be wonderful people to get grace, he requires humility. That's attainable by every person. That's within reach. If you had to be smart, come on, some of us are in trouble. If you had to be rich, all of us are in trouble. If you had to, if you had to have been perfect, my goodness. But to be humble, to be humble, that's, that's attainable by everybody. You can be humble. Now, it's not the human condition. In fact, I have found that everybody tends to have a problem with pride. It's part of the human condition to be proud. I talk to people on campus all the time and I ask them this simple question. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? And I almost always get people saying eight or nine. What do they mean by that? They mean, they really feel 10, but they don't want to sound proud to say 10. But they definitely don't think they're a six or lower. They think God's fine with me. I've lived a good life. I mean, you can talk to people living, you know, just, like just a really complete sinful life. And they might say six. We all have a problem with pride. Self-righteousness. This is what Jesus had the problem with the Pharisees. They were self-righteous. You know, Jesus told a story of a, a parable 
of two men who went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, tax collectors, as you know, you probably know this from the Bible, they were even more despised than the IRS is today. I mean, they were, they were people, nobody liked these tax collectors. Not only did they take the taxes, but they ripped people off by um, colluding with the Romans. And so they had authority and power. So if you owed, you know, like 100 shekels, they could collect 120 and keep the extra 20 themselves and give the 100 to the Romans. And the Roman soldiers would back them up in this. So these were seen as traitors, despicable, terrible, terrible, terrible people. So the Pharisee went up to the temple to pray. And he prays like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a thief. I'm not an extortionist. I'm not even like this wicked tax collector over there. I tithe all that I make. I fast twice a week. I thank you I'm like this. The other guy went up to the temple. He didn't, even, he didn't go up. He stayed back and he beat his breast and cried out, Oh, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that section, I, that first guy, and Jesus said that guy was not justified. The second guy was. When I read that first section, I say, Wow, sure, I'm glad I'm not like that. <laughs> not like that guy. Some of you get what I'm saying, don't you? We all have this tendency to compare ourselves and to know the pecking order. Am I better than this person? And if I'm better than others, I'm okay. I used to think of myself, am I going to heaven? Yeah, because all I have to do is make sure I'm in the top certain percent, like in the top 30% of humanity. Because I thought God can't send everybody to hell. So as long as I'm in the basic, you know, as I'm better than most, I'm safe. And, I, and, and in my eyes, I was better than the majority of humanity, I was safe with God. That's self-righteousness. That's pride. That's trusting in my own goodness. And inevitably, like the fellow in the, in the parable, you end up looking at others with contempt and looking it down upon others. Why? So you can lift yourself up. That's pride. And we don't want to be like that. But it gives grace to the humble. Friends, what a verse. Remember we talked about grace. All grace, always abounding, overflowing, all you need in everything, for every good deed, everything in life. And if you get that grace, all you have to do is you gotta be humble. And God, if you're proud, it's like God turns off the spigot of his grace. Or he lessens the spigot, but if you're humble, God gives grace. Isn't that awesome? Say it with me. God gives grace to the humble. What an awesome thing that is. Again, you can qualify. You can make it. It's, it's not like the bar's not so high for anyone. The bar's low enough that we can all make it. What does it mean to be humble then? What does it mean to be humble? If we need grace, how do you get it? Humil be humble. Well, then what does it mean to be humble? If you look in the dictionary, it says to think lowly of yourself. And I'm not sure I like that definition. I'm not sure I, I agree with that. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, we read what it means to be humble. And it says this, For through the grace given to me, 
I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. So if you think of yourself more highly than you ought, that's called pride. And we realize you don't want to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You don't want to think of yourself as, as better than you are, more, more than you are. If you did, that's pride. But sometimes in our desire to be humble, we can pendulum swing so that we think of ourselves more lowly than we ought to think. I know some Christians who think, you know, I'm just a piece of garbage. I'm just a nobody nothing. I'm just worthless. Can I tell you today, you are not worthless. If you were worthless, Jesus would have never died for you. He considered you to be of tremendous value, enough value that, that he would shed his precious blood. That was the exchange that went on. The precious blood of Jesus, more precious than silver, gold, or anything else, he, he gave that in order to purchase you. That's called redemption. We are purchased or bought by the blood of Jesus Christ so that you now belong to him. You're his possession. Now that's a great price he paid. He, he's not, he, he would have been dumb to have made, paid that price if you were worth less. You're not worth less, you're of great value. You're made in the very image of God. You're more valuable than, there's plenty of beautiful things in our world, aren't there? There's gems like diamonds and rubies, there's beautiful flowers, there's beautiful mountains, sunsets, beautiful nature, beautiful things. But nothing is made in the image of God except us humans. And for that reason, you and I have tremendous value. Enough so that the Son of God would lay down his life and shed his precious blood for you. Are you worthy of what he's done for you? No, we're not worthy. But we're not worth less. There's a difference. To be unworthy means that you don't deserve it. To be worth less means God thinks you're of no value. But God obviously thinks you're of value. So to think of with sound judgment, I think it means I, I'm not going to think of myself more highly than I ought, but I'm not going to think of myself more lowly than I ought. I'm going to tr learn to see myself the way God sees me. I'm going to think of myself the way God thinks of me. Now this is, a, this is some pretty interesting stuff we're, we're about to get. And I think if you want to think of yourself with sound judgment as God speaks of you, what I'm going to share with you I think is going to help you a lot. I will just say it's helped me tremendously in life. And I hope you'll be blessed by it. To me, there are three things I need to think about myself to have sound judgment. To have sound judgment. And they're found mostly with two of them were written by or spoken by the Apostle Paul and one by Jesus himself. The first one goes like this. Apart from God, I'm nothing. Now you might just say, wait a minute, I thought you said I'm something, I'm value. Well, I, have, I didn't say no, I'm value. I say apart from God, I'm nothing. You know, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, where he says this, I am what I am by the grace of God. And you stop and think about Paul for a minute. Paul 
I mean, we're 2,000 years later, we're still reading what the guy wrote. Can you think of any other person, historically, other than someone like Jesus or, or David or something? But here with Paul, outside of the Bible, can you think of anyone in the history of the world that 2,000 years later, millions and hundreds of millions of people are reading what he, he, reading what he writes on a regular basis? Many people daily. I can't. I mean, I know people, there's Plato and there's Socrates, those guys, but you know, no one reads them every day. No one you know, is devoted to them like we are to Jesus. And here was the Apostle Paul. He was an apostle. He wrote scripture, the words of God. He wrote words that we're reading today. And we're not the only ones. All over the world today, people will be reading the writings of the Apostle Paul. The guy planted churches. He took the gospel into areas where people had never even heard of Jesus, where people were hostile to Judaism, and he led them to Christ, and he, the greatest missionary of all time. And yet, also of him, he says of himself in 1 Timothy, he says, I am the chief of sinners. Why? You say, come on, Paul, be honest. You, you, you weren't a rapist, you weren't a murderer, you were a religious person, you were a Jew, you were a Pharisee, you were maybe in the Sanhedrin, you were a good Jew, you were a righteous person, you were, you were blameless according to the law, you weren't the chief of sinners. You're not being honest. But was he? Yes. Why was Paul the chief of sinners? Anyone know? Why could he say he was the chief of sinners? I mean, in all honesty, he probably, his pre-Christian days are probably more keeping the Ten Commandments than you or I. Why was he the chief of sinners? He persecuted the church, persecuted the church of God. He was trying to destroy the church of God. That's the worst thing you can do. That's the worst thing you can do. We live in a world today where people are trying to destroy the church. They're trying to destroy the Bible. They're trying to undermine people's faith. They're trying to deconstruct people's faith, get them to not believe. We think, well, that's not, that's just being open-minded. No, 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 my friends. That was trying to persecute the church of God. And Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And look what he had become. He became, he went from being the chief of sinners to someone that today we still read what he wrote and we trust it and we believe that it was the words of God himself. How cool is that? But apart from, Paul knew that apart from the grace of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God flowing towards him, he'd just be the chief of sinners. Apart from the mercy of God, he'd be the worst of people. But as it was, he is what he is by the grace of God. You are too. You are, without God, we're nothing. That's the first step of humility. Without God, I am nothing. Second thing is found in 1 Corinthians chapter four and verse seven, it goes like this. Apart from God, I have nothing. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, he says, what do you have that you've not received? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Now, folks, you and I live in the United States of America. We are in the most prosperous nation with more abundance 
than any other people in the history of the world. You could be poor here today and you have access to things that kings wouldn't have dreamed about 150 years ago. A toilet to sit on, the flushes, running water, heat on a cold day, maybe even air conditioning on a hot day, transportation. You and I going into a grocery store. Have you ever gone into a grocery store in another country outside of America? They don't have, I mean, I, I, I go to places, they don't have Walmarts or Kroger's or Giant Eagle or whoever, we, wherever you go. I mean, we have thousands of items on those shelves, usually. <laughs> and, and this is something, we have such an abundance, but, but a humble person will say that without God, I have nothing. Without God, I have nothing. I believe that about myself. I believe the food that's on my table, in my refrigerator, our pantry, I believe that's God being kind to me. I didn't grow it. I didn't can it or process it or put it in a truck, send it to market. That was God's kindness to me. What do I have that I've not received? The Bible says in, in James 1:17, every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Every good gift, every good thing, every good relationship you have. If you have health, if you have money, if you have a car, if you have shelter at night, if you have clothes to wear, I believe everything I have is God's kindness to me, God's gift. Now, the truth is God gives to everybody. There are some things God gives to everybody, you know? And it's because God's a good God. If it were not for God, he could just, he could just stop it all. I mean, just stop and think. God, God, if he wanted, he could send weather that would destroy all the crops. That wouldn't even be hard for God. That'd be easy if that's what he wanted to do. God could send an earthquake and disrupt all of our access, you know, all the trucking and all the, and, and the energy breakdown and the, the, the gas lines burst and the water mains burst. That, that one, I mean, that, it, God watches over us. God protects us. God's guarding us. Without God, I have nothing. I really have nothing, and neither do you. So I hope you're thankful. If you're a humble person, you'll be grateful to God for everything you have. How many things can you thank God for today? Can you think of five things you're thankful for? If you do, you're getting about an F in the thankfulness grade. Can you think of 20 things? Well, you might be up to D minus now. Can you think of 50 things? We might give you a C. Because in reality, everything we have, what do we have that we've not received? And if we've received it, why do we boast like I got it, like I did it? You know, don't you want to be a self-made man, self-made woman? I do. You know, a little personal story here. You know, I, I speak on campuses. I have a ministry. And so as a result, I raise financial support. And students on campus, they ask me, they say, Tom, how do you make your money? I'll tell you, there's something in me that just dying to say, well, you know, I'm, I was a very successful entrepreneur. I'm a multimillionaire. I just come out here out of the goodness and benevolence of my heart. 
Yeah, I really, I mean, it's, I, that's a real desire. Or I'm just such a good investor, I'm making, I'm making so much money, I can do whatever I want in life now. I'm, I'm financially free, I'm on my own. I'd just so love to be able to say that. But, you know, God just keeps me having to say, that's not how it happens. Others help me. That takes humility. Others help me. Others give so that you might hear. That takes humility. Wouldn't you love to just be able to say, I don't need anybody. I've got, I'm on top of things. I've got it handled. I've got all I need. And I earned it myself. But see, that's pride. Apart from him, I have nothing. The third conviction I want to encourage you to have, and this is from the words of Jesus, and that is apart from God, I can do nothing. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what does that word mean? I've looked deeply at the Greek here. I studied it carefully, and that word nothing in the Greek actually means nothing. <laughs> because I'd like to be able to say again, well, I can do some things without God. I just need God like for the spiritual stuff. I just need God like to bear fruit, or I just need God you know, for maybe something that's eternally significant. But no, no, he said, without me, Jesus said, he said, listen, I am the vine, you're a branch. If you break that branch off from the vine, it might still look alive, but it's now cut off from the source of life. It gets its life from the vine. And you and I get our life from Jesus. And if we are cut off from him, ultimately, apart from him, we can do nothing because we've lost the source of life and strength. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And nothing means nothing. At least for me, I don't know how you interpret it, but I'd say to the Lord, Lord, apart from you, I can't do anything. Apart from you, I really can't. And I, and I, and I really believe that. I'm not just saying it. Because you say, oh, come on, Tom, you could get up and you could brush your teeth without God, couldn't you? Yeah. You know, you could, you could eat your breakfast without God because you could make you, there's all kinds of things. And I say, no, apart from God, I wouldn't even be alive. Apart from God, I may be uh, disabled in a wheelchair. There are people like that, you know. Apart from God and God's blessing, God's grace, what can I, what, uh, nothing. My friends, if you have this attitude that apart from God, I am nothing. Apart from God, I have nothing. And apart from God, I can do nothing. Then you are on the path of humility. But it doesn't end there because we want to think with sound judgment, right? Don't think yourself more highly than you ought and don't think yourself more lowly than you ought, but think with sound judgment. So let's think about sound judgment here for a minute. Because apart from God, I am nothing. But with God, what? Well, with God, I'm a child of, God, of the King of Kings. With God, I am a child of God. With God, I have a, a, an eternal future in glory. With God, I am saved. With God, I'm made holy. With God, I am somebody. 
Because by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, he's made me something I could never be on myself. He lifts us up out of the ash heap. He takes the humble and he lifts them up to sit with kings and princes, the Bible tells us. Without, without God, if you're on your own, you're not going to get very far. Because without God, you're nothing. But with God, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit of who he's made you to be. And what he's done in your life, in your new identity as a child of God, a holy one. Without, with God, you're in the body of Christ. You're in the church. You're a part of the very, I mean, Jesus had a body here on earth, right? God had a body when he walked around, but now he's up in heaven and his body on earth now is you and me. You're our calling. Our identity is above anything you could ever have achieved on your own. Without God, I have nothing. But with God, well, Ephesians 1 says, with God, I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place in Christ. How's that? I mean, that's all inclusive. In Second in Peter, it says that with him, I have everything necessary for life and godliness. That's you. With God, you have everything necessary for life. Everything necessary for godliness. That's this life. In the other, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place is Christ. That's, that, a lot of that may be future. Every good gift is, comes down from our Father. My goodness, friends, you've got more than you realize if you've got God. Now, on your own, you may be a pauper. On your own, every effort you have to sit, look at what I've got, look at what I've achieved, look at everything I have. It's just, it's piddlings compared to who you are in Christ. It's piddling compared to what God wants to give you. Trade one for the other quickly. Trade everything you've got for everything he's got to give. Do it quick. That's the smartest thing you could ever do. Without God, I can do nothing. But with God, I can do all things because there's nothing impossible with God. And if God is with me and God has given me his grace and his grace is filling me, without God, I can do nothing. With God, I can do all things. So can you. So can you. There's no limit. The grace of God is abundant. The stream of God is full of water. It's overflowing in what he wants to give to you. My friends, boy, this just makes me want to be humble. It makes me want to be humble before our God. It makes me want to be humble before other people. It makes me want to recognize the grace of God that flows so abundantly in us. Amen? Amen. Father, we bless you today, and we love you, and we thank you, and we worship you. We thank you for your ways. We're around people all the time, Lord, who are asserting their own pride. I am somebody. They're not claiming that in Christ. They're just claiming who they are, boasting in themselves. You said, Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, says the Lord. Oh, Father, we need your grace. We're not too proud to admit it, that apart from you, we really are nothing. We're just dust. 
came from the earth to the earth will return. Without you, Lord, we have no future. That last 50 years are the best for any of us. Without you, Lord, we, we were made for eternity. Without you, we were nothing. Lord, without you, we, we've received nothing. We don't want to boast as if we accumulated everything ourselves. We want to boast as if we're some sort of high achiever, type A personality. Lord, we want to recognize, acknowledge, and praise you that all that we have, every good gift, has come down from the Father of lights. Our Father, you're a giving God, and we receive. And we don't want to boast as if we haven't received it. And we thank you and acknowledge that apart from you, we can do nothing. But hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you've made us to be people who will do great things. You've put desires in our heart to do great things for you, to build your kingdom, to, to expand your kingdom. Lord, I believe there's people even in this room today that you have put desires and dreams in their heart that would bring glory to you, that would love other people, that would, that would bless other people. You put that in our hearts. And we thank you, Father, that by your grace, it's within reach by your grace. Oh, Father, we pray today, let the grace of God flow to us in abundance. We pray, let the grace of God flow to us in abundance. This year, today, this week, might we be humble enough to receive the grace of God in our lives. We thank you. We bless you. We declare it's enough. Your grace is enough. If we have your favor, we don't need anything else. Lord, as I think of myself, and I think of all of us, we could be someone we're praised as being really smart or successful. And we'd rather be seen as someone who the favor of God rests on us. And people see us. They talk about us. They say, God is favoring that person. God is blessing that person. God has given something to that person. That's how we want people to see us. We are the recipients of the grace of God. We bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we, I was gonna, we're gonna take communion this morning, and I was gonna wait till the second song uh, after the message. But um, just hearing Tom's message this morning, I just felt like. Tying communion into the message and um, this next song would be really fitting. Um, so, just want to make sure you have uh, the bread and, and the juice there with you. And you know, this act of taking communion together is an act of humility before God. It is a confession before God and a proclamation to God, saying, "Lord, just like Tom said, apart from you, I'm nothing, and I can do nothing, and I'm dependent on you, Lord." I'm dependent on you for salvation. I need your broken body and your shed blood on the cross to save me. And so that's what communion is. It's, it's a pro proclamation and it's an act of worship to say to God, Lord, I need you and I'm accepting you. And uh, so for us this morning who are believers who have accepted the Lord, um, let's proclaim uh, this together as the body of Christ. Um, so feel free to take this on your own as we sing this next song.
Thank you. Awesome songs. Hey, what helps the message go from saying, oh, that was nice or interesting or ah, whatever, to being more personal and real? Can I encourage you today, even now, as we end or on the car on the way home or sometime, to declare, say out loud with your mouth, apart from God, I am nothing. But with him, I'm a child of God. Apart from God, I have nothing. I won't boast as if I haven't received it. And apart from God, I can do nothing. But with him, I can do all things. Verbalize that to someone and verbalize it to God. I would encourage you this week to set aside a few minutes every day. Make a commitment. Choose a time now. Set aside a few minutes every day to just say in prayer, God, I affirm these three things. I need your grace. I desire to be a humble person. And so I will acknowledge that apart from you, I'm nothing. Apart from you, I have nothing. And apart from you, I can do nothing. Affirm that to God. I need your grace. I'll do my part to humble myself. I'm not going to just let it say, that's an interesting message, or think about it. I'm going to declare it to God and state it and, ask, and, and, and want it to become real in my innermost being. We'll be up here to, after us. I'll stick around. The others from our prayer team, if you'd like to come up and receive prayer, and I hope you will. And particularly, if you want to declare that with somebody, you can come up and declare with me, and I'll pray with you. But I want to particularly mention that third one. If in your heart of hearts today, God has reminded you of something that apart from him, you're nothing, or you can do nothing, and there's something God has put in your heart, and you really want to do something significant for God, and you're wondering, why hasn't, why, I've not made progress, I've not got it done, and, I, and, and this year, I want to do that. And if there's something like that in your heart, I would delight to pray with you for that and bless you in it and ask God to just help you accomplish that because with him we can do all things. So if you have any need, feel free to come up and pray. If you'd like to declare that with me, I'll listen and, and pray with you. But particularly that third one, if there's something, and I hope so, God, God has great things for us to do. We can't do without him, but boy, with him we can do so much more than we'd ever dream. And if there's something like that that's been awakened in your heart today, I'd love to pray with you, okay? So with that, to receive our blessing today, can you think what verse I'm thinking of? <laughs> and God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Amen? Amen. Have a great week.